0: Netflix says this, and the showrunner says this, and, you know, the actor wants this, and then there's this crazy producer who wants something completely different, and I don't know what to do.
1: Writer's Amazing Brain, a place where creativity emerges from a blank page into a story. Everyone from beginner to seasoned expert needs to hone their skills. And Jacob Kruger, founder of Jacob Kruger Studio and host of the popular Write Your Screenplay podcast, is here with us to unpack the secrets of successful writing. Thank you to Otherworld Computing, not just for sponsoring my show, but also for providing us with hardware and software that takes what we write and helps us manage the media files as they transition from that blank page into production and post-production. We are all so much more successful because of them. And I personally am very grateful. What a great way to get ready for the new year. Stand by. It's another fascinating interview on OWC Radio.
0: It's time for OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania.
1: Hey, Jacob. Hi. Hello, Serena. (laughs) I'm really happy to speak with you again. I haven't seen you since we were at Catalyst. Uh, When was that? Like three months ago or something? Yeah, it was some time, right? Yeah, the Catalyst Story Road Festival. And for those of you who don't know, there were a group of students there from Chicago, near the Chicago area, Lake Forest High School. And we had them there for a premiere of the pilot for a TV series that they're working on um, with Vince Vaughn. And... They met you during the course of those few days. And I have to say, everyone, those kids were so inspired by you, by your enthusiasm, by your knowledge. They learned so much. And uh, I just, before we even start, I just want to say thank you for being so accessible to everybody, really. It's wonderful. It's really sweet. (laughs) I'm I'm glad they had such a good experience. (laughs) They did. They loved it. And they learned a lot. So for our audience, can you tell people what you do and who you do it for? Absolutely. So
0: um, I was a screenwriter for many years, actually, first a producer, then a screenwriter. And uh, I had the lucky opportunity um, to create my own school uh, now 17 years ago. Um, So my school is called Jacob Kruger Studio. It's writeyourscreenplay.com. We've got, uh, I think, the best faculty of of teaching artists in the world. Uh, We have award-winning writers, um, really extraordinary group. And they're also, they're great teachers. So, you know, it's one thing to know how to write. It's another thing to know how to hold a student's heart in your hand. Um, And it's another thing to know how to do all that while also supporting their craft and supporting their voice and helping them write uh, the kind of movie or TV show or play or comic book that that they want to write. And we have a pretty unique program. What we do is we pair emerging writers one-on-one with professional writers. Um, and, And the reason we do that is, (laughs) <laughs> because it was what I desperately needed when I was coming up, <laughs> right? Like I, I, I had a mentor, but it was much more like a whiplash, and um, he taught me everything I knew, but he also did such tremendous damage. And and in what I, way? Oh, he he, you know, the worst caricature of what a producer is oh. was was who he is, and yeah, a brilliant, brilliant man. And again, I'm very grateful for him. I, I learned. I learned so much. I wouldn't be right. the writer I am, but it yeah. didn't have to be done in that way.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah. Well, you're so the opposite of all of that.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it it kind of, in a way, it, it, it kind of gave me a life mission, you know, and uh, that, you know, you can, you can become a great artist and that doesn't require abuse, you know, and that doesn't require, uh, that doesn't require losing your own voice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was a journey. I did feel like I lost my voice and I had to find it again. and um, so you know i and I also have an issue with grad schools. I feel like, um, you know, it's very hard it being going to grad school makes a ton of sense if you're gonna be a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, but but if you're gonna be a screenwriter, you know, and you graduate with three hundred thousand dollars of debt, you know how how are you possibly supposed to do this job, right? unless yeah. your student film gets picked up like how how can you possibly do this job? so um, you know, we're really devoted to making it affordable. So, you know, you can work with famous people who are expensive or you can work with, um, with, uh, wonderful, talented mid-career writers, um, who are super affordable. And, and so, you know, it's basically like having a grad school experience for the tiniest fraction of what grad school would cost you. Um, and what's really nice is you're getting mentorship for life. So, you know, instead of like two years of bliss, and then you got to go figure it out on your own, you know, in your first session, you might be talking about what is a character. And when you get, you know, three years from now, you're talking about, okay, Netflix says this, and the showrunner says this, and, you know, the actor wants this. And then there's this crazy producer who wants something completely different. And I don't know what to do. And you have mentorship for, for that too. So it's, it's uh I'm really proud of it. It's the program is called ProTrack. It's among many programs that we
1: do, but it's kind of the crown jewel of of what I think the studio is. Oh, I'm so glad you're there. I wish I had known you when I was first coming up and writing for film and television. <laughs> you would have shortened my path. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you would. You know, mentors are very hard to come by now. There aren't a lot of them in the world. Um somehow I think the internet makes us able to connect more with people, but it it removes some of that one-on-one positivity, understanding of each other. And you seem to be able to give that to people. And I've talked to so many people that have really benefited from this. I I just love it. So I'm curious about a couple of things. We're approaching the holidays as we record this. Yeah. And people are really, really busy. But what do you tell your young writers, for example, uh, or somebody who really wants to be a writer? I'm not saying they have to be young in age. Yeah. But somebody who's just starting out and they're looking at that empty page, is there some advice you can give to us about how to go from it's a wonderful nothing because everything creative comes from that nothing. Yeah. But is there some kind of a nudge you can give us to help us get off that empty page and really start putting stuff in there?
0: Yeah, so there are so many things that that get in the way. Right? Um and so you know, there's a huge emotional side that I would like to talk about and there's a psychological side right? Uh, And then there's a craft side, right? Um, But before we can deal with any of that, we have to deal with the real life side, right? And, you know, unless you are fortunate enough to have a trust fund, and if you are, congratulations, that's wonderful, right? But, But unless unless you're fortunate enough to to have a trust fund or have a benefactor or have someone supporting you. Right. Um, Or, or have already, you know, I I have a student who was a CEO who who remade himself as a writer. It's wonderful. And, you know, he's got all the money in the world and that's great and he earned it. Um, But if you're not in that situation, you know, most of us have to work. Right. And, And so it becomes a question of, you know, if your work, if you feel like your work is serving your art, you're much more likely to be a happy person than if you feel like your, your work is crowding out your art, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're an artist and the chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you are an artist, right? And that, right. that is, you know, we're artists even when we're not creating, right? The, uh, a person who is an artist has a profound need. That That some people don't have, not everybody has that need, and honestly, if you don't have that need, go find something way easier to do, yeah um, exactly, But those of us who have that need, right that that need is profound, and it's not negotiable, right and and if we if we don't fulfill that need, then we can't fully be ourselves, right? And that's going to affect every other aspect of our relationships. Our, it's going to affect our job satisfaction. It's going to affect the way we show up for our friends, the way we show up for our families, right? Um, and so, that said, I'll, you know, most writers kind of dream like, okay, one day I'll quit my day job and then I'm going to have this perfect life and I, all I'm going to do is write and it's going to be so great. Um, and, but the truth is, if you haven't built the foundation there, Right. That day, even if you're brave enough and you finally do it and you quit your day job, I could tell you that the day I quit my day job because I just sold my first script and I, I had success so young. I was so lucky. You know, I was not ready, you know, yeah. and um, and because I didn't have the practice built up and, you know, suddenly having 24 hours every day where you can be writing is actually overwhelming. So mm-hmm. I like to think, I like to use a simple metaphor, right? Which is if, you, uh, if you're in the desert, which is how a lot of writers feel, a lot of artists feel, they're kind of in a desert, like, I don't have any time, I don't have any time to, it's impossible to write. You're in the desert and suddenly you send down 10,000 gallons or 100,000 gallons of water, right? You don't get a river. What you get is a flash flood and then it does a bunch of destruction and then it just disappears. And it's like it never happened. Um, But if you can start a slow trickle, right? And you just keep that trickle running. Eventually, you're going to get a little rivulet. And eventually, that little rivulet is going to turn into a brook. And eventually, you can build a mighty river. You can build the Grand Canyon that way. And so... The question is not how do I find enough time to write, because you're never going to feel like you have enough time to write, just like you're never going to feel like you have enough time to have a child, to have a dog, to write to anything that matters. There's never actually enough time for. The real question is, how do you get that little rivulet started? And, and mm-hmm. so for me, I'm, I'm very busy and you know I have a bad habit of going, You know, everything I teach about writer's block comes from my own experiences battling it, right? And so uh, I know, you know, I can work a 14 hour day and then I can convince myself I don't have any time to write. Um, So my little trick is seven minutes. I owe myself seven minutes of nonstop writing. Um, And it doesn't have to be good. Uh, I have a class called Write Your Screenplay where I really break this out and really. Mm -hmm structure of it. But the simple answer is like, I have to show up for seven minutes and not even every day, even God rested. I don't have to show up every day, but I have to show up on scheduled days. On specific days, I have to show up for seven minutes. I have to write nonstop for seven minutes. If I've written nonstop, even if it's awful, it might be the worst scene ever. That's great. Now I have a terrible scene to edit the next day right? I already have my, my writing assignment for the next day. And it's easy to make something terrible a little bit better the next day. So at, when I get to the end of my seven minutes, I'm allowed to close my laptop, um, especially wow. if it's a bad writing day. And sometimes, you know, you don't have any control. Sometimes they're horrible. You, you want to die rather than write. And yeah. so wh- when, when I'm having one of those days, no problem. After seven minutes, I do my seven minutes of hell. Anyone can handle seven minutes of hell. You can handle seven minutes of the dentist. So you can handle seven minutes of writing. At the end of my seven minutes, I can close my laptop and I, I'm going to do something to celebrate it. Right. I might, I might, you know, text a friend, you know, I did my pages today. I might do a little <laughs> dance. I might check it <laughs> off on my calendar, on my Asana. Um, I want to celebrate it. There's the science behind this. Uh, you, when you celebrate a success, you actually get a dopamine release. Uh, that makes absolutely um and so uh 7 minutes i can stop but often what happens is the hardest part is getting the engine started so often i'll write for 7 minutes and suddenly it's 4 in the morning and i'm like how did that happen mm-hmm. right and that doesn't mean i'm not showing up tired the next day right mm-hmm. i am showing up tired the next day but i'm showing up tired for the parts of my work that I love. I love my business. I love my school. But I'm going to show up tired for my staff meeting, right? Because I know that's better than me not doing my writing and not being an artist. And so it helps put everything in focus, and it helps remind you that your day job exists to support your life, right? And and if you and if you have a yeah. day job that doesn't allow you seven minutes, I've I've had students. I literally don't. I say, get a little journal and go lock yourself in the bathroom. Yeah. You just because have to make time. You, you have to. to. And if it's too much, then, then, and you really want to be an artist and you know, you have a job that is too much, then you may have to ask you, you may actually have to change the, the infrastructure of your work first. Right. Or you may have to set up, uh, you know, I used to say to my students, I'm like, are you good at your job? And they'll be like, yeah, I'm like, great. Show up seven minutes late. Right. Uh, If you're that good at your job, no one is going to fire you, right? Or take your first seven minutes at your job, close your door, get get on your computer like like you're in a meeting, right? And write for seven minutes and then do the rest of your job. And (laughs) it's amazing. And and once you learn that you can actually accomplish things in seven minutes, you also realize how many seven-minute blocks you have because we spend... I mean, we've all gotten sucked into TikTok, right? Like you've been in TikTok for like 45 minutes on a day that yeah. you have nothing to do. The, the so,
1: Instagram rabbit hole.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So so once you start to realize, oh, I can actually, you know, at this point I can blow out a scene in seven minutes and sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad, who cares, Yeah. right? Um, so you start to realize, oh, I, I just got another seven, ooh, you know, like, Oh, awesome. my clients. That's awesome. Seven minutes. Great. And, and it starts just like anything else that matters in your life. It, once you start doing it, suddenly you start realizing you have more time than you realize. Right. Cause you're thinking about it all the time. You get an idea, right. Suddenly you find, oh, I've got an hour here. Right. Oh, right. Because you, you've got the, 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 the channel is built. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have, I, I mean, I could go on for about 14 hours on that
1: question, but I love I mean, it. Th- no, th- I love it. You know, I just, I'm sitting here thinking when you're really into it, the characters start speaking to you. And, and I know that if I'm in the middle of writing something, I carry a notebook with me because I never know when the ideas are going to come. And I just write down a little reminder because if I don't, then I, then I lose it. Does that happen to oh, most people
0: yeah I mean it's so funny I, I was at this poetry reading uh the other day like an, uh, an open mic night and uh you know it's always very mixed right and mm-hmm. I was I was you know and the poetry was fine it wasn't specific and then this guy came up and he's got like all these papers sticking out of every pocket and I, <laughs> this friend I was with I'm like this guy is going to be good <laughs> i just knew it and i'm glad you I said that because that's kind of me i've got yeah
1: notepads
0: everywhere yeah you know because the fact that he's got all these notes right is telling me that he's always writing things down right mm-hmm. he's always writing down observations he's always noticing things and um you know i used to i used to always carry a Molesky and used to make these mm-hmm. paper ones that fit in your back pocket mm-hmm. so always carry around now i've got my
1: my iphone so life is life is easier than it's ever been but i still can't i really can't i'm more creative on the moleskin the small moleskin than i am on the iphone for some reason yes i don't know i use the iphone when i have to but the mole i still carry moleskin around because i also
0: write with fountain pen
1: with your with your pen yeah
0: Uh, yeah writing on an ipad is different than writing yeah
1: there's no Yeah. yeah there's a connection there's a physical connection between the creativity and the pen. Yes. So um, that's that seven minute theory is a great way to get over writer's block. That's perfect. Yes. That's just perfect. You know, one of the things that uh, that um, everyone who met you during Catalyst, and I want to thank Philip Gilpin for introducing us to begin with. Thank you. He's such an amazing human being. Yes, he really is. If you don't really know Philip is.
0: Gilpin and you don't know Catalyst and you write television, you <laughs> need to get involved with that organization. Um, yeah. He's, he's one that, you know, there are a lot of sharps in these waters, but, but he is, he is one of the people who really is champion for writers and for, yeah. history, and it's a tremendous festival.
1: Yeah. And he really understands the business side of it too, you know? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that everybody who met you that I was around was so excited about your class on how to write a beat sheet. Yeah. So So, can you talk about that? And I wasn't able to be there because I had another meeting. I'm so upset because I really wanted to see it. Yeah. They loved it. The, so
0: this the the lecture I gave there was was about TV Bible writing, right? And how to
1: write a a Bible for me. okay, there you go. So it was about TV and, Bibles, not the yeah. beat sheet. Yes, okay. although Sorry. I do
0: have another lecture on beat sheets, right? Okay, so, um, so uh, in fact, if you go to my website, uh, you can download that one for free, writeyourscreenplay.com, right on the home page. There's a lecture called The Myth of Three Act Structure. Um, that, oh, that- I'm
1: so glad you do that. I'm going there. Yeehaw. I'm going there. And I, I encourage everybody listening. And that's why I wanted to have you on because I really think people are going to get better at writing just from experiencing what you're talking about today and what they can learn from either taking your classes or on the website. Anyway, so talk to us about writing a TV Bible. So so a, a TV
0: Bible. Um, and again, the, the lecture I gave there was two hours <laughs> to a packed house. So I'm going to try to do the fast the fast version.
1: Yeah, give us the overview, and then hopefully we'll go and actually take the
0: class. So, so here's where you want to start, right? Um, you don't even start with a BG, right? Unless you are in unless you are a professional writer who has already found your voice and already has a certain level of craft. And what I mean by a certain level of craft is not that you know the rules of formatting. What I mean is that you've done your ten thousand hours and the 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 gap between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind when it comes to structure or formatting has narrowed, right? Meaning that you are intuitively able to build structure. Um, And there comes a point in every writer's life where where, where you're able to do that, right? Where you understand the concepts of structure so well that you don't have to think about them. No, it comes. It just comes. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the point that you're able to do that, making a beat sheet uh, or an outline, um, for your script is very likely to help you, right? Because you actually understand structure and you understand character and you have voice, right? And so um, what the the outline or the beat sheet does is allows you to get where you need to go a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Um, If you are an inexperienced writer, um, the chances of an outline or a beat sheet helping you are very slim. Your outline or your beat sheet is more likely to hurt you confusing Um, right to young exactly so what Mm -hmm. happens is you hurt yourself on two different levels right um on the first level um you don't know your characters yet right now there does come a point and i'm giving kind of the advanced version of this lecture right there's like a beginner version of this lecture where i kind of just take these tools away from people but i know you have people of all different levels listening yeah yeah so um there does come a point where you can actually like you can step into a character. I could step into a character right now, right? And I don't have to write them to step into them, right? Because I've just been doing it my whole life. Um, but for most of us, stepping into a character is hard, right? And and, and it, it, it there's a level of empathy and a level of development of our visual sense and our kinesthetic sense and our auditory sense that that takes a lot of training to to actually develop. And so um what ends up happening is if you write if you try to write a beat sheet or outline before you really or a bible before you really know who your characters are. It's almost like if you just went on your first internet date or like just read an internet profile and like try to plan your life with somebody. Yeah. Right? Doesn't you, work. You don't know them yet and no. what you're really doing is you're really planning a life based on some clichés you've seen in movies that you don't even remember from your childhood or from Disney or from fairy tales, right? you're, you're, you're spinning cliche, not on purpose. You're spinning, you're spinning cliche because you, you simply, you've read an internet dating profile. You don't actually know the person. Right. Whereas like take your mom sticker in a Western, you know exactly what she's going to do sticker in a sci-fi, you know, exact sticker in a horror movie.
1: You oh my God. You going. don't know my mother. It's hilarious.
0: You even think that. <laughs> You can do that. Stick in a romantic comedy. You know exactly what to do because <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know her. You know how she talks. You know how she feels. You know what her buttons are. You know how she interacts, right? And so what ends up happening is people end up building these outlines that are based on concepts of characters, mm-hmm. right? But unless you have a tremendous amount of experience, your concepts are probably cliches derived from other movies you've seen. Right. And then- most early career writers are not particularly good at structure because it just takes a lot of time. So then you're building a structure that's based on a lack of understanding of structure, right? And so it's like building a house without a blueprint. You think you're making a blueprint, but you know your architect doesn't really know math yet, right? And so yeah. so what, what happens is uh, you end up with this very kind of wonky structure, right? Which is, you know, even when professional writers make outlines, they're always wrong, right? You, you make an outline and you realize, you know, oh, at some point the characters are going to do something different than what I planned. But when you're experienced, you, it's much easier to go with the characters. Right. Um, right. When you're inexperienced, you, you start going, well, I just had this amazing thing come to me, but how will I ever get there that I need to go? And so what ends up happening is writers then end up canceling out the good ideas. Right, that come in the process of writing because they're so busy trying to hit the beats of the outline because they just don't have the craft yet to actually be able to to handle the subconscious and the conscious part of writing at the same time.
1: Yeah. You know what I've noticed over the years, and I don't know how this happens, but when I'm writing for a client, I don't pay attention to the structure. And then when I go back just to check it, it's amazing how (laughs) somehow the rhythm is there. It, yes. And, and so I think that under your guidance and, and with some, some nudging, I think people can, can get there, you know? yes and and, and, and yeah, go ahead. Well, you're going to get a clock from your client. If you're writing for TV, they're going to give you the clock. So you yes. have to know exactly how much time you have for, for each yes. act and the intro and all that stuff.
0: Exactly. So. Right. So, so what we try to do, um, so in my re- write your screenplay class, you know, I, I try to boil down all of structure to 13 elements, right? Um, and the idea of that it's like the opposite of like a lot of the books that are like this thick, right? What I'm trying to say is like, you can't keep 480 ideas in your head at one time. Mm-mm. The truth is you can't even keep 13 ideas in your head at one time. Um, but, but I teach them in an order where if you practice this one first and get really good at it, then it becomes intuitive. Right. And then right. you can move on to the second one. And right. then by the time you've done all 13, you actually understand structure. Right. Um, and for the first couple of years that you're writing, you might have to go, okay, now back to one, okay, now to two, now <laughs> to three. Right. By the time you've done all 13, you understand structure. And by the time you've done it enough, eventually you start to get like you're talking about in the zone faster, mm-hmm. where you're not thinking because you've done it this way so many times. And it it just kind of comes out. Mm -hmm. And so um, the last piece that I wanted to talk about in relation to that last question is, so let's say, let's say, you know, you phone a friend, right? You, you, you need to make your outline. So you work with a professional writer, you know, and let's pretend they're brilliant. And a lot of the people, people hire are not brilliant. A lot of people, people hire are coverage readers who are lovely and well-intentioned, but they're writing
1: coverage for like 20 bucks, 50 bucks, right? It's insane. And they've never written anything themselves or never sold anything themselves. Right? Right, right. right. That 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 part of the business has always just blown my mind because they that's how you enter into these companies. You become somebody who does coverage at home for yes. a few bucks. And I think so I've got somebody who's never produced anything, never directed anything, never written anything reading my screenplay. Yes. <laughs> it's
0: crazy system. And guaranteed, if you take their notes, you will destroy your script. Probably. Guaranteed. Because, what, what? I mean, not because they're bad, because they're inexperienced, right? And so what they tend to do, and they don't have time. Even let's say, let's say you got somebody amazing, right? Let's say you got a genius, right? You get the next Quentin Tarantino is reading your script because you got lucky. Um, they're only getting paid at the most 50 bucks. Probably less. So you have to think about like how long would it take you to write a log line, a summary, a commentary and read a script, and you realize that would be like 32 cents an hour. right? Yeah. So so even if you get a genius, they are rushing, they are racing, and you know part of the reason you know what we do in the studio is all interactive, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, we do it all online, and it's all interactive, because when there's a problem in a script, usually the reason there's a problem is that the writer has an intention that is not yet landing for the reader, right? So there's there's something they're trying to do that's not working yet. That doesn't mean it's bad. It, it just means that, that, that the, there's still a gap between what's in their head and what's on the page that they might not be aware of because of lack of experience or lack of craft or just being too close to it. Um, and so... What happens is you know when you read a script, if it's not working, that there's something missing. So, what happens is, coverage readers try to guess what ha- happens to happen to fix it, right? But they're guessing based on something that's missing. Yeah. Right. Whereas, what you really need to do, and this is you've been a producer, when you sit down at a notes meeting, you don't go, okay, here's what you're going to do. You go, okay, what are you trying to do here? Right. Like, like, what talk, talk to me? What's the scene about? Right. Mm-hmm. What's the goal here? I love this line. I didn't understand this. What do, what do you, what, what does this mean? And invariably in the conversation, at some point you go, Oh, oh my God, that's brilliant. Right. Yeah. You realize the brilliant thing that the writer's actually trying to do. That's that's just not on the page yet. Yeah. And so what happens is that you get all this prescriptive advice that's based on the best guesses based on a misunderstanding of a skim of a script. Right. Um. And and it, it can be really debilitating, and, and so yeah. Don't take notes. Don't take notes from anybody if it's too good to be true, it is, right? Well,
1: do you? Uh, if somebody does have a screenplay that they would like advice on, do you do that as well? Or of course, of course, because I would totally trust you guys. Yes, so
0: <laughs> I we're, would. We're very specific in the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I do. I offer script consultations, which is. You, we, we, me or one of my mentors will, will read your entire script and they'll give you feedback, you know, for two hours and break, break everything down with you. Right. Not written notes. They're going to so you can record what they say, but you're going to sit down and have a conversation. That's awesome. And they're going to really understand what you're building. And they are going to really apply all of their knowledge, not to trying to tell you what to do, but to to saying, oh, I get what you want to do. Here's how you do that. Right. Um, but I don't like offering script consultations. I do them because sometimes we work with professional writers, you know, and and it makes sense if you have a tremendous amount of experience. But invariably, what happens is you have your one script consultation, and you're so happy, students mind blown, right? And they go home and they start to write. And the moment you start to write, what happens is something changes, right? You yeah. come up with an idea that you didn't have before, mm-hmm. and now you don't know how to square it with all those other notes, right? And then you're going to end up buying another script consultation, another and another, or you're now you're kind of on your own again, trying to figure stuff out with you know just a lack of experience, um, uh, and it, it gets really tough. So what we do again, our ProTrack program, you know, if you insist on a script consultation, sure, but I don't like it. I prefer, Mm -hmm. let's meet, let's have somebody read your whole script, Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: then let's work through the rewrite 10 pages at a time. Wow. You're meeting again and again with the same person. And that person's getting to know you and the script better and better and better and better. And when you finish the next draft, they're going to read your next draft. And when you finish the next draft, they're going to read your next draft. And so you're literally having somebody who is an expert writer who's selling scripts in the industry. Who's going to read every page you write, um, and who's going to give you continuing feedback on, on what you're doing? Um, and we found that just to be so much more beneficial. And it, it's honestly, we we price it so it's 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 pretty much just as affordable to do a pro track as a script consultation. That's
1: and ent- that's wonderful. That's really wonderful. You know, there are a couple of problems that happen when you're writing professionally. Uh, one of them is, and this is a true story. I got hired to write a couple of episodes of a very kind of well-known series. And the first words out of the supervisor's mouth were don't get creative. Yeah. And he said, you should be able to hold your script up to any other script during our series for the last six, seven years, whatever it is. And it should match. And we're actually going to send you some narration that you can cut into your script. And I thought, why did I take this job? Oh, and they also said, and you don't need to write in the B-roll. And I thought, that's very strange. But I mean, what do you do with something like that? I guess you just yeah. have to give them what they
0: want. And uh, it's, it's funny. I teach two different lectures, one for uh, the Writers Guild and one for the Producers Guild. And for the Writers Guild, I teach a lecture called The Secret Language of Producers, Okay, and which is about just how writers and producers speak different languages. And sometimes producer language especially if they don't have training in writing which most of them don't mm-hmm. right um it can be very demoralizing and confusing and somewhat devastated for writers even when it's well-intentioned um and similarly at the producers guild i, I teach uh how to how to talk so writers will listen <laughs> right uh because perfect because this is It's probably one of the biggest inefficiencies in the industry, right? Yes. Is that you have people making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year who are incredible salespeople, right? Incredible at getting people to spend money on dangerous propositions, right? Incredible at talking that star into taking the role. Like these are incredible influencers, right? But they're often put in a position where they now have to develop the script, right? which they may or may not know how to do. Um, and even if they know how to do it, do they actually have the training to actually communicate that in a way that a writer can understand? And so I'd, I'd love to, to translate that that idea. So I started as a producer, I know you did as, as well, right? The way I would translate that is, well, first off, this is not a particularly good developer, right? Because right. anyone anyone who's really good at developing, is not going to start that way, right? Um, they're gonna communicate <laughs> the need what they do want rather than what they don't, right? Right. Um, right. and they're gonna do it in a way that's empowering because ultimately you hire a writer because of their voice, right? And so it's a foolish thing to tell a writer don't be creative. Um, but it does. You had asked me about TV Bibles earlier. So this is a nice opportunity to circle back, right? So what a more experienced producer would have said would have been the episode needs to feel like every other episode. Exactly. Right. Yes. Um, because this is actually what your Bible for your TV show is designed to demonstrate. And this is actually, this is the showrunner's job. The showrunner's job is to make sure that every episode feels both similar and different from the pilot. Hm. Right. Right it must feel similar because people are coming to a show for a specific feeling. And if you don't give them that feeling, they will eat you alive, right? Because that's why they showed up. That's why they fought with their partner. Their partner wanted to watch master chef junior. They wanted to watch (laughs) succession, right? And they had their little fight and one of them wins and they want the feeling, right? And if suddenly succession turned into curb your enthusiasm, as much as you might love it, you're going to be angry cuz you came for a specific feeling that you get every single time you watch succession right um and yeah. uh so so you need to deliver the same feeling but also audiences get bored when they get exactly the same thing again and again and again i'm right? shocked that this
1: series has been on for so many years to be yeah. honest yeah anyway.
0: <laughs> there, you know there are some procedurals you know that that are just pure formula mm-hmm. um And, you know, it's, they don't need to be, it's just easier. Right. And so the way I like to to think of it is like, once you're a fan, you'll put up with so much more.
1: Yeah, that's true. Right.
0: So usually if you watch the early seasons of those shows, they're much less formulaic. Right, and then people are fans, and they like it, and it's like yeah. you get to hang out with. So like you get to hang out with your dad. He's going to tell you the same jokes again and again. But you know, you love you him, love him. Right? <laughs> um, you love him, especially yeah. the
1: holidays.
0: <laughs> exactly. So you know yeah. you can you can get away with a little more when you have a fan base. But why would you want to when you can make something really beautiful? So you know when you're writing, you know it used to be to get onto TV shows, you write spec scripts. Thank God that those days are mostly over, right? We can now write original pilots and get staffed on shows. You know, when students came to me writing spec scripts, um, I would say, do not write the sweeps week episode, right? Don't kill off one of the characters because what they're looking to see is, can you, can you write, you know, this character's voice, the way this character sounds, can you write an episode that could be slotted in with the rest of our season? Right. But that doesn't mean don't be creative. Right. That right. means bring your own flair and your own style and your own voice within, just like if you're writing to go back to the metaphor of your mom. Right. <laughs> they you know have to like your mom in every episode. Right. <laughs> if your mom starts acting like somebody else's mom, you're going to be really disappointed. Right. But that doesn't mean you can't get wildly creative on what kind of adventures mom has. Yeah, um, and so you know the 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 con- the name of the thing that I'm sure you know, right? We we call it the engine of the TV series, right? What what we're really trying to build when we build a TV series is a is a franchise, right? In the same way, like McDonald's is a franchise, or Burger King is a franchise, or Ruth's Steakhouse is a franchise. We want to build something where it feels both the same and also fresh and new every time we watch it, right? And the way we do that is by pattern matching specific elements, right? These kinds of things happen in a show, right? And and that can be as simple as Gilligan's Island, right? Every episode of Gilligan's Island, the professor who would have rescued himself years ago if, if left to his own devices is going to come up with a new brilliant way to save the group using coconuts right right um, and everyone is going to collaborate except the howls who are going to be living the life of the one percent um on the island again using coconuts um eventually gilligan's going to mess it up <laughs> and the professor is going to lose his shit right that's what's going to happen every episode and that's a formula and that doesn't mean you're not, don't, you don't need to be creative. You need to be usually creative, right. To figure out how am I going to feel, to make that feel fresh each time. But it means you can take, you don't need the brilliant showrunner. You could take any reasonably intelligent collection of screenwriters, stick them together and go, okay, Joey, I need 700 ways you can get people off an island with coconuts, out of which we're going to pick the 28 that are going to go in this season, right? Because season used to be so long back then, right? Um, uh, You know, Denise, we got to figure out how does Gilligan screw it up, right? Mm -hmm. And you can brainstorm these areas uh, um, with a lot of creativity. um, And that's inside a very formulaic syndicated show. Yeah. Right. But we could also look at a show like The Wire. Right. So like The Wire did yeah. things that were heretofore impossible. Right. You're not supposed to be able to kill off all your characters. Right. This was <laughs> the first show that did it. And one of the only shows that did it and totally survived. Right. Yeah. But it also had a really simple engine. Right. In we're going to go in each episode, we're going to go to a different area of Baltimore. And there are going to be two thinkers, right? There are going to be two out-of-the-box thinkers, one on the side of law, right? And one on the side of criminality, Mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't mean they're good or bad. In fact, just the opposite. It just means one is considered legal and one is considered illegal, but they're both total out-of-the-box thinkers. And for the first half of the season, they are going to revolutionize their worlds, Right, yeah. They're going to start to change everything and make Baltimore a better place. And for the second half of the season, the forces of bureaucracy, the forces of self-interest are going to crush those out-of-the-box thinkers until Baltimore is left just as messed up, if not more messed up than it was before. Right? Yeah. And and then there's going to be a giant bloodbath at the end of the season. And they're going to kill off a bunch of people. You're like, I don't think they're going to kill them. I know. But How could he be killed off? <laughs> exactly. They're going to shock the crap out of you. And yeah. you can see that, that game of Thrones stole the same idea. Right? Um, and then next season, okay, first season we're in the drug war, second season we're gonna go to the docks and we're gonna do the same thing. And out of the box thinker on both sides. Next, we're gonna go to legalize drugs and politics, right. out of the box thinker on both sides. And we're gonna watch these people change the world and then be destroyed by the forces of mediocrity. Right. Right. And so that's a much more complicated engine, but you could see it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I started by kind of saying, okay, when when you don't really want to start with an outline, unless you're super experienced, uh, by the time you're staffed on a TV show, you damn well better be able to write an outline or you're not going to survive, right? But if you're at the beginning of your career, starts with finding your voice, right? And so that starts with learning how to write really great scenes, really great characters, and those, and, and, and those, you, you don't break in with a formulaic script. Nobody broke. Uh, so many writers that I worked with, right. And this was the nineties. It was easier to break in, you know, um, so many writers I w- worked with had like the great script that I read as a producer, right. Where it'd be like, I go fight for it and I wouldn't be able to get it made. And I'd be so upset. <laughs> right. And then, I would fight for them on every project because I loved them. And I was so upset that I couldn't make their beautiful movie, you know? And so you break in with the script that kind of grabs someone and shakes them a little bit or that the script that like, I've actually never seen anything exactly like this before. And that doesn't mean you still have to be, you know, it has to have some commercial elements if you're pitching a commercial company, you know, um, Or if you're doing Sundance, right, it better have really interesting characters, right? Um, It's got to have something that that it can be pitched, but it doesn't need to be the one that sells. It doesn't need to be the one that gets made. It needs to be the one that goes, I know I'm an inexperienced writer and you don't know me and I haven't made anyone half a billion dollars yet, but nobody else can give you the script, right? Nobody else can give you this voice. And so you want to start there and that starts by learning to be present with your characters and building three very simple and very hard to build skills, which we all think we have, but which we actually don't, right? You yeah. need to learn to really see with your mind's eye, see with such specificity that you see things you didn't expect to see. You need to learn to listen, right? Everybody always asks about like writing great dialogue, right? And they think they're look, They're trying to make a great line and all that's going to do is make you sound pretentious. It, it's actually a skill of actually learning to hear the voices of the characters that already exist inside of you, right? And just listening closely and finding the courage to actually get past your inner sensor and capture what you hear on the page. And, and then the the third element is is learning how to actually feel what you experience, right? And um, learning how to actually step in to a character and and feel their feelings and then translate that into actions and movements, right? Um, and those skills are, those are the ones that nobody teaches, right? Yes, you absolutely 500 not. 500 screenwriting books and they're going to teach you 500 different formulas that that only work if you can do those other things already. Um, and, you know, we were talking about mentorship before, and most people think they need mentorship and they finish their script. Right. And, and to me, that's, that's the worst. I mean, I, I, you do it, you want to help them, but the first session always hurts. Right. Because you got to tear down so much scaffolding, right. That was just built on a, on a, on a shaky foundation. Yeah. Um, you know, my favorite time to to start with a writer is when it's like, Hey, I have this idea. Right. Maybe I don't even have this idea. I have this scene. I have this moment. I have this dream. I have this question about the world. Right. Like the, the earlier you can get somebody in, and, and the, one of the ways you know if you're working with somebody good is are they telling you what to do? They're not good. Even if their ideas are great, you're just going to end up building their script. Once you've worked with a writer for years, sometimes you go, Hey, this is a crazy idea, but let me throw this at you because you kind of yeah. know their themes and you know what they're building. Right. But at the beginning, you're just going to ruin their script no matter how good you are, right? Because you're going to turn it into your script. And then that writer is either dependent on you for the rest of their lives, right? Or, or, or more likely, you don't really have enough time to fully build your script, right? So then they're just kind of flailing around trying to imitate you, yeah, right? During the times that they're not with you. Yeah, it's
1: an unhealthy codependent relationship at that point.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. I have, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start my seven minutes a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am. And tell everybody where to go. Cause I, I'm encouraging everyone to take a closer look at your website and what you have sure. there. So my website is write your Um
0: We also have a, I have a free podcast, which is write screenplay.com slash podcast. And if you want a sense of working with us, you can get that for free, too. I have a free class every Thursday night. It's a great way to meet, meet my mentors. Um, the the faculty is so extraordinary. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it's totally free. We usually get about 100 people every Thursday.
1: What time um, on Thursdays? It's 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And where do we go to find it? On writeyourscreenplay.com?
0: your slash write Thursday.
1: Okay, uh, perfect. Very
0: easy. So that's a free class every Thursday. It's a great way to get started. Meet our community. See which mentors you like. See, see, you know, who do you resonate with? Who do you connect to? Mm-hmm. And um and, and then take it from there.
1: Thank you so much for everything you do. I, I can see now why everyone, everyone was so excited. To go to your classes at Catalyst. And I'm I'm gonna be watching you very closely. And I do, I'm I'm myself am stuck on something. I'm gonna go unstick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go unstick. Thank you so much. On behalf of everyone listening, I just want to tell you, I've been talking with Jacob Kruger and I'm Serena Catania. And you're listening to OWC Radio. Thank you so much, everyone. And remember what I tell you every episode: get up off your chair and go do something wonderful today. Happy holidays to everyone.
0: Happy holidays. Thank you, Serena, so so much for having me.